Hello and welcome to the October 2nd, 2018 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life. But this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Of course, I am Mr. Joe, and it is awesome to have everybody here with me today. And of course, it's always wonderful to be out there with you as well. So I feel like lately we have zoned in or concentrated on a lot of Mr. Joe's current life. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think some of the information that I've been sharing with you certainly has some value to it. Obviously, I always like to tie everything into bipolar disorder or some kind of mental illness in one way or another so that we can all relate to one another. But I also feel like we've kind of gotten away from some of the important details that um, Mr. Joe has experienced in his life. Some of the things that have allowed me through experience to share with people, namely my audience or potentially friends or family or just those suffering with some kind of a mental illness and sharing those things to help people and educate them and hope that my experiences, whether good or bad, can guide you in the right direction, potentially help you avoid a situation, um, more importantly, um, help you to manage your situation of bipolar disorder. And it just so happens that every single time Mr. Joe wants to concentrate on something specific, namely a, a, um, a prior incident or a prior time in my life, something happens that allows me to reflect on that time. And obviously, it's always something current, <laughs> so it kind of negates exactly what we were just talking about. But I have a feeling that a lot of what we discussed today is going to venture back to my previous history. And I say that because what transpired with me last night is not really a common occurrence of Mr. Joe. As a matter of fact, it hasn't happened in a long time, not to this extent. Anyway, um, back in the day when Mr. Joe was really cycling pretty badly and not medicated or on the wrong medications or living with bipolar disorder without wanting to admit to it or listening to doctors, not listening to doctors, or quite frankly, being on way too many drugs at one time in my life, sleep was always an issue with Mr. Joe. And obviously, we can always say or agree amongst each other that during the high times of bipolar disorder or the periods of mania, we are so heightened often that we can go for days and days and days without sleep, without even feeling tired the next day. And I do know this, and it's something that I researched quite some time ago, and it stayed with me for a very long time. Whether the numbers are still accurate or not um, is beyond me, but I can't imagine any other reason why they would not be accurate. I know three out of four people with bipolar disorder, the most common 
signal or sign that mania is on its way and ready to creep in are when sleep problems occur. Um, you know, now, while it is also a trigger, uh, sorry, a, a sign that mania might occur, when you are not experiencing any symptoms at all and you engage or in sleep deprivation or for some reason, kind of like Mr. Joe had over the vacation or the business trip, that in itself can trigger the manic or hypomanic episodes for many of us with bipolar disorder. But there are many times where we don't have those triggers, meaning we, we're not being sleep deprived or um, we are, there's nothing that really caused us to lose sleep. We didn't go away on a business trip. Well, we didn't stay up all night doing drugs. Um, we didn't get into a situation where, God forbid, somebody was hurt and we were out all night at a hospital. I mean, how many of us have ever been to an emergency room where something, God forbid, happens very badly and you find yourself in there all night and not really getting much sleep? Believe it or not, things of that nature can trigger a bipolar episode. Things like that are not in our control sometimes. But imagine those things do not happen. Imagine sleep sleep deprivation, or let's say, let's call it jet lag, is not occurring within your life. So there's really no reason for any triggers to occur. Sometimes sleep problems just pop up out of nowhere. Kind of like they popped up last night with Mr. Joe. Now, what exactly does this mean for Mr. Joe? Does it mean that I am about to embark on a hypomanic or a manic episode because I had one night of, um, I guess you could say, unsettled sleep? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it has to be a couple of nights in a row. Um, and, and then I have to really start digging deep and recognize whether or not these are signs that some kind of a mood swing, and I'm not talking about a cyclical mood swing of which I always seem to suffer from, the ups and the downs, even if they're, um, in terms of how drastic they are, really not so bad. It's kind of always there and present with Mr. Joe, you know, the cycling and the mixed episodes, but... Of course, I'm still susceptible, just like all of us, to those elongated, extended periods of either depression or hypomania or mania. So I have to wonder, is this based on the fact that my sleep was so different last night? Is this a sign that mania is to come for Mr. Joe? And again, I think I have to kind of wait it out and see if we have a very similar situation tonight. Um, I'd say this, that if you have changes in your sleep that last for more than two weeks or interfere with your life, you could absolutely pinpoint it to an underlying condition. And I, I say that to those of you who are unsure if you have bipolar disorder and potentially listening to this podcast because somebody you know or even yourself is is playing around with the idea or wondering if they are somebody who has bipolar disorder because I know there are a lot of you out there that are really unsure. Maybe you've been told in the past, you know, hey, you got bipolar disorder. Maybe even a friend or a doctor has said something and you're just exploring 
the idea. Well, I'll tell you this. If you got sleep issues that last for more than two weeks, I'm going to tell you right now, um, there's a very good chance that you have bipolar disorder. Now, that's not to say that there are not many things that contribute to sleep problems. So it's very important that we distinguish between those sleep problems that cannot be related to bipolar disorder and the, and the sleep problems that are really embedded into bipolar disorder and actually can also be attributed to many of the mental health conditions that we've discussed many times in our life. And that's the anxiety and the depression and um, stress. Um, all of those things can play a role in terms of your sleep patterns and the connections with bipolar disorder and you know, ultimately, we all look to improve our sleep some way or another. And how many times has Mr. Joe ranted and raved about how important it is to make sure you get that good night's sleep, especially when you have bipolar disorder? Well, last night, I didn't get it. And I don't even know how to describe what went on last night. It was one of those sleeps where you're kind of sleeping, but at the same token, you know and hear and sense every single thing around you. So, essentially, I did not feel like I slept even one second last night. That was from the moment that I closed my eyes until the moment that I woke up this morning. And what is also interesting, and this has been going on for quite some time now, and I don't think I've reported on it, at least three times a week, I am waking up with tremendous back pain back pain like I've never felt before. And, you know, when I start feeling that chronic pain set in, that is also indicative to me that something is going down with my mind. And, you know, how many times have we said that the mind and the body is related? Well, I guarantee you that this situation is pretty much the same with Mr. Joe. I am a full believer that the mind affects the body and the body affects the mind and vice versa. So whatever the situation was last night, I slept, but I didn't feel like I slept. And I tossed and turned all night. I, I more or less can report almost, like report on everything that occurred during my night's sleep. You know, how many times my wife rolled over? How many times I heard my son cry, or not that he cried, but a little peep when he moves because we have the monitor. How many times the dogs went under the blankets and came out under the blankets. And how many times I just felt like I almost had control over all of my dreams because I was so awake. And I don't know if that makes any sense. It's, it's because I was just half awake where... If some of my dreams went to an area or a place in which I was not happy, it was almost like I had the control to change my thought process because, again, even though I was asleep, I was awake. So let's, let's just take a look at bipolar disorder. Let's segregate bipolar disorder from everything and let's talk about how bipolar disorder might affect somebody's sleep and let me tell you there are a lot of ways that it can affect your sleep in general and we're not going to 
concentrate so much on whether or not I have a manic episode coming because I just don't know. You know, maybe, just maybe, because I have bipolar disorder, that caused me to sleep the way that I slept last night and I was getting a little bit spoiled is really what it comes down to because I brag all the time about how wonderfully I'm sleeping. Well, you know what? Bipolar disorder affects sleep sleep patterns in so many ways and it could lead to so many different things. So, you know, maybe that's what happened last night. It led to, I don't want to call it insomnia because the real premise behind insomnia is that inability to fall asleep or stay asleep long enough to even feel rested. And obviously, you wake up the next day for the short amount of time that you've slept because you have the insomnia and you feel exhausted. That's the true definition of insomnia. So I don't want to say Mr. Joe went through that because, again, I was kind of half asleep Whereas, by the way, I don't feel tired in the least bit today, so I think we can rule that out. Now, (laughs) I told you that we were going to venture into Mr. Joe's past. Well, let me tell you something. Now, this was an induced insomnia state of mind, but it still counts, because when I think back to it, it's one of the most disgusting, appalling, horrendous feelings that I could ever recall, which would be a night filled with cocaine abuse where now I would have to lay in bed with either my ex-wife, well, I didn't do it with my current wife, um, with, with my ex-wife and my children very close by, oftentimes in the bed with me. That was a whole nother thing. They were in the bed for years and years. Um, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that I didn't want to sleep with the witch. So we kind of stuck the kids in there. But that's, that, uh, I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent here. Imagine you're doing so much cocaine that there you are laying in bed and you so desperately, so desperately want to fall asleep, but you're just staring up at the ceiling, staring up at the ceiling, praying, wishing that you can fall asleep. And what I used to do, there was a time in my life where I was very involved with Texas Hold'em poker, and it was during the cocaine days with my friends, and of course I went a lot crazier than all of them, that's for sure, because they were at least able to have certain Texas Hold'em poker games without cocaine, well, not Mr. Joe, and even if they announced that they weren't using cocaine, I would certainly sneak it in, and I'd make sure that I was doing it, so there were many of nights where I laid in that bed, insomnia-induced cocaine usage, and I would put on my phone, and it was so long ago that I actually remember it being one of those slide-down phones that have the full keyboard, um, you know, those cell phones that you just kind of open the uh, bottom up, and you got a full keyboard that you could type, really, literally a hard keyboard, and I remember installing an application through my wireless, or through my 3G at the time, and putting on a computerized Texas Hold'em game some stupid game, and I would just lay there and sit there for hours and hours playing this ridiculous game in which you're not betting any real money, but you're playing with other people across the world that are probably on cocaine as well, 
just waiting for myself to fall asleep with my phone in my hand. And when I think back, oh God, to, to what it was like and how grateful I am not to be in that situation and know that I'll never be in that situation, oh, I'm so grateful. I really am. Now, something related to insomnia in terms of the name is called hypersomnia. But when I say related, really it's just the name. Because what hypersomnia is, is oversleeping. And where do we see hypersomnia? Well, we see it in bipolar, uh, bipolar depression, obviously. If you are oversleeping, if you are unable to respond to that alarm clock, and listen, we all do it. Mr. Joe has not used an alarm clock in 15 years, possibly longer. But for those of you that do, if you sleep through your alarm every once in a while, I get it. You know, one of my coworkers today, when I walked in, she said, I just got up a half hour ago. I overslept. I can't understand that. I don't know what it's like. I could never oversleep because my eyes are wide open as soon as I, as soon as 5 a.m. hits. So I don't kind of get that. Um, You know, I'm always so worried about the day ahead of me that there's just no way that I could sleep. There's just no way. Um... It's just impossible. But for those of you who are in a depressed state of mind, you're going to experience that hypersomnia. That's the correct term for oversleeping, which, again, is sometimes even more common than the insomnia during periods of depression. Now, you may think that the insomnia is only related to the mania, and it's not. And it's not, because believe me when I tell you, there have been many depression states of mind that Mr. Joe has been in that have caused insomnia for me. Whereas I was so worried, so depressed, so on edge, that I just couldn't sleep and I would stay up long enough. And then, unfortunately, when you finally do fall asleep, that's when you engage in the hypersomnia. And you oversleep. So, um, you know, for those of you who have experienced that, you know exactly what I mean. Now... I'm I'm thinking that last night was simply just a decreased need for sleep because I certainly didn't get a whole lot of it. It's not insomnia. There's a difference here. Decreased need for sleep is basically when someone can get by with little or no sleep at all and not feel tired as a result of that lack of sleep the very next day, which is kind of like me. Now, what I went through, I don't know what the real words for that is. (laughs) Really, really not sure. Um, I I don't know how to describe it. Again, what I went through, but we could certainly say that it was not insomnia. Because I certainly don't feel tired today at all. Now, um, there's something else that's called delayed sleep phase syndrome. And I actually looked this one up and I wrote it down. And it's a rhythm sleep disorder resulting in insomnia and daytime sleepiness. And that's all I know about it. Delayed sleep phase syndrome. So it's a rhythm sleep disorder, um, which I guess would have to do a little bit with your, um, that, that, 
that rhythm that we've talked about so many times that actually results in the insomnia and it results in the daytime sleepiness. So if you know more about it, by all means, reach out to me. When I looked up sleep disorders, that was the one thing that I couldn't really understand or recognize or find a whole lot about it. So I just wrote that one down (laughs) because I got questions about it. I'm not sure how to make heads or tails out of it, but I would imagine they're referring to that that rhythm sleep disorder where, you know, your entire clock is off, your whole clock routine, your internal clock is just completely off. So because of that, you have insomnia. And then, of course, it results in that daytime sleepiness. So now, for those of you who are not familiar with the rapid eye movement sleep abnormalities, I want to believe that that is some way connected to what Mr. Joe felt last night. I want to believe that because what happens with the REM sleep abnormalities is you have very vivid dreams and very bizarre dreams. Now, I will tell you this. Obviously, there are certain medications that cause dreams to be more intense than others. Um, My goodness, when I was on Cymbalta, which we are going back to 2011, I believe. Man, I used to get this weird feeling in my head first. Um, Almost like my brain was going to explode. Almost like I was able to hear the fluid within my brain moving around. I could actually hear the blood and the fluid and the... And the brain chemistry in my, in my head, it was so distinct that I could hear it as I laid there. And then when I would finally fall asleep, I would have this rapid eye movement abnormality in which it makes your dreams seem like you're insane. Absolutely insane. Vivid, bizarre, intense, just crazy. Little to no control, really, I would imagine, because that's how I usually feel. Um, For those of you who have felt that way, where you have that vivid dream going on, I don't think you have a whole lot of control over it. I know I certainly don't. The only time in which I do have the control over a vivid dream is usually when I am flying. And i got to tell you, Mr. Joe's been flying around a lot lately. I mean, you might as well slap a cape on me and call me Super Mr. Joe because I have been flying high in my dreams lately. And I have to imagine that's also an indication that possibly we're headed towards some kind of a a manic situation. Or, for all I know, depression. Who knows? Now, I tell you this, the other thing that I also deal with, and I don't know if this could be categorized into any kind of a sleep disorder, but I know that I have these irregular sleep and wake patterns, um, and they occur all night long. It's, it's almost like it's the same damn thing every night. Midnight, boop, I'm up. And whether I have to use the bathroom or not, you best believe I'm going in there to use it. Why? Because my obsessive-compulsive disorder kicks in, And Mr. Joe says to himself, well, if I don't pee, I'm going to hurt my bladder. 
And then I'm going to get sick. And it's going to affect me tomorrow. Because it's dangerous to fill your bladder up. So you better get the pee-pee out now. I run to the bathroom, and I, even if I don't have to go, I make sure that I go. Go back into bed. Three o'clock, boom, Mr. Joe's up again. And I've talked about this before. Now, I would imagine that that would occur a lot of times when you've got a crazy thing, crazy lifestyle going on. Um, you know, excessive activity during the nighttime, evening hours. But, you know, with Mr. Joe, that is not the case. There's nothing that really is going down. You know, before I go to sleep, the only thing I could say is I have a rigid routine in which I iron my clothes. I sit down and I watch a little bit of TV and I'm out like a light, usually trying to fall asleep to a podcast. And, you know, that's how it works. So there's nothing really that should result from a lifestyle of chaos at nighttime for Mr. Joe that should result in those sleep, those irregular sleep wake patterns or schedules but I'll tell you right now it happens to me every night and that does not even fall into the two-week bipolar category that just happens and I have no way of controlling that at, at this point I have not slept through an entire evening I, I cannot even remember I honestly Mr. Joe cannot even remember when I was able to actually sleep through an entire evening. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't tell you. So, um, you know, maybe when I was on drugs, when I finally fell asleep, you know, um, obviously it would, you know, when you're doing drugs and you got bipolar disorder, whether you're medicated or not, it's going to intensify those pre-existing symptoms of bipolar disorder. We all know that. That's what drugs do. It's as simple as that. But if, if I was to think back, we're probably talking about the opiate days. You know, maybe in between 2007 and 2009 in which I was crushing up and breaking up Oxycontin like it was going out of style and snorting it like a complete wackadoo up my nose day in and day out, and I guess it probably, I, I would imagine, it, it was able to put me to sleep. <laughs> so I would think back in 2007, and any time between 07 and 09, I probably slept through the night at some point because I was so drugged up on opiates that it knocked me out for the entire night. Now, I, do I know if that's completely true? I don't know. I don't remember. I'm lucky I remember yesterday, but I do know that Man, drugs did a number on me. And, you know, now that I think about it, there probably was a time even after that where marijuana was very helpful in allowing me to sleep. Whether or not it helped me sleep through the night, I can't completely recall. I would imagine that I would be up at least once. And if it did allow me to sleep through the night, I'd be able to report on that to you during this podcast and be very certain about the fact that it did work as a sleep aid for me, but I really can't recall that. Did I sleep more soundly? Probably. Did I have more vivid dreams? Probably. And then, I'll tell you this, marijuana got to the point where I smoked so much of it that I completely stopped having any dreams at all. And then when I would take a little bit of a break from smoking marijuana, and when I say a break, you know, we're talking four days max, maybe if I was lucky, a week, you know, if I was on some kind of 
health kick where I said, oh, I'm going to go to the gym for three days and uh, stop smoking marijuana. And I'm going to eat right. I'm going to do all the right things. And then, bam, before you know it, you know, your favorite show's coming on. And you say, man, <laughs> this would be such a better show if I was high as a kite. And that's all it took for Mr. Joe. And then I'd be smoking bong hits and, you know, running outside and smoking a bowl and, you know, doing all those things once again. And then the dreams would come back and be pretty vivid again, and then they'd just go away. And ultimately, like I've said so many times, marijuana, although I thought it was working in helping my bipolar disorder, even the idea of thinking that it worked completely went away as of January of 2018, this past year, and I realized that, man, you know, I've been fooled this entire time. If anything, it suppressed things a little bit, made me a little bit more calm during the manic days that I will give you, because I recall very vividly my wife turning to me on days where I would quit marijuana, you know, for those big four days or five days, and she would say, God, could you smoke again? Because you're a miserable, mean man when you're not high. And then all of a sudden, my whole my whole demeanor would change. I'd be giggly and laughing and uh, talkative. And, you know, obviously that would go away because you're smoking so much marijuana that probably lasts all of a big 20 minutes and you're smoking again. And then before you know it, you're sitting in the kitchen and opening up the refrigerator 5,000 times. Like, like, it's almost like you open the fridge, you see what's in there, you close the fridge, and then somehow some magical food fairy is going to now insert different food into the fridge as if, like, you missed it the first time. I, 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 that's what I remember. I remember going back and forth, opening up cabinets, the fridge, back to the cabinet, looking, trying to decide what in the God's green earth I was going to eat. So, and I can't say that I miss that or don't miss that. It's very hard to explain. It's not something that I feel like I did about the cocaine. I will tell you that much. It's not something that I turn around and I say, oh, God, I could, that, that feeling makes me absolutely sick. It doesn't. It doesn't. But at the same token, I don't miss it at all. As a matter of fact, I would be scared to death to see what marijuana would do for me right now. Imagine this. Mr. Joe going to be 44 years old come next summer. So from the age of technically 16 to 42 and a half, let's say that, Mr. Joe smoked marijuana with a few instances in which I quit. There was a nine-month period that we've talked about where Mr. Joe had extreme anxiety and panic attacks. I can tell you right now, I didn't smoke then. There was a period in time when I came off all my medications um, back in August 13, 2011, when I stopped actually smoking cigarettes and I stopped smoking pot because I had smoked weed that night after coming off all my medication and it affected me in a way that I can't even describe because I had been smoking it for so long with psychotropic medications and when I finally smoked it without, it was like I smoked something brand new. It was like I had crack. I mean, I got so scared, so paranoid and I quit that for a couple of years and I believe I started back up around 2012 or 2013. So maybe it lasted a year. So imagine this, somebody who's really for the most part smoked for all these years 
is petrified to even look at it again because I don't know what the hell it's going to do to me. So, you know what? I could be sleepwalking, okay? I could be up for 10 days straight, and I, I could promise you this, I am not turning to drugs to help me. Now, medication, some of us need that. Clonopins, uh, Seroquel, very helpful in, with myself in falling asleep. Trazodone, um, with me, didn't work. For some of you, it might work. You know, a Xanax before bed. You know, some of these things, as long as you're not abusing them, they could work wonders and they could help. I've never gotten into any of the medications um, that are prescribed just for sleep. As a matter of fact, I can't even recall any of them now. You guys know what you're on if, if you are taking those things. They're extremely addictive from what I heard. And it, it's escaping me right now. And I don't want to make a fool out of myself and have a whole bunch of silence on the phone but we all are aware that there are specific medications out there that are made just for sleep. And listen, I do know people that have been on them for many, many years, and that's how they get to sleep. Something that I never tried, so it's something that I also can't report on, so I won't. I do know there are several psychotropic medications out there that allow you to sleep. And you know what? If you're not sleeping, ever, and you need to be on a medication to help you, by all means, get on a medication and do it. Because some of us just can't sleep. Um, you know, there's another thing I think that might be going on, according to my wife, is sleep apnea. And I believe that it probably affects up to, um, God, I mean, a great percentage of people with bipolar disorder. No doubt about it. The percentage, I don't know, I would say maybe up to a third of people with bipolar disorder would probably also have sleep apnea. What the relationship is, I don't know. I have no idea. I'm not a doctor. T just pondering, taking a guess, but I know this, my wife told me I sound like an animal at night. I sound, She's actually taped me with her phone, and I can't believe that those sounds are coming out of me when I hear it. The snoring. I sound like I'm going to drop dead because I stopped breathing. I literally stopped breathing. And I know sleep apnea will absolutely cause excessive, excessive daytime sleepiness excessive fatigue throughout the day. I just think Mr. Joe is so manic all the time that it doesn't affect me. And that's the God's honest truth. I really do. I am starting to think that Mr. Joe, as I've always thought in, in analyzing my past life or my past experiences with medications and throughout high school and college and even my very young years in which I used to have imaginary people that I didn't know were imaginary at the time, swinging on swings next to me, digging in the dirt, speaking to me. I remember them so vividly, many of which are gone, although I did hallucinate last night, and God, it was scary. Sorry, not last night. When I pulled up from work, I drove home, 5 o'clock, pulled up into my driveway, 5.30, and I saw little bugs and ants crawling all over the passenger seat, and I had to like shake my head and do a double take and say, oh God, do I have ants in my car? No, I didn't have ants in my car. I have a very clean, obsessively, compulsively cleaned car. Believe me, you'd be shocked if you saw it because that's one thing Mr. Joe is, is extremely um, clean. <laughs> Let's put it that way. So there were no ants. So now that, it, and this is why I do this, guys. This is why this is so helpful to me because if you think about all the things I'm talking about, 
while I'm trying to help my audience and educate you, I have just pieced together so many different things that I could have never done on my own. And that was the hallucinations at 5.30 yesterday, the sleep deprivation last night, the lack of, the, la- the, the, the extensive amount of energy that I have today, you know, all, possibly all connected, possibly all connected. And then we could talk about, like I said, the sleep apnea, where I don't think it affects Mr. Joe even in the least bit, because I live in mania. That is bipolar one. That is the primary characteristic of somebody with bipolar one. And there is no doubt in my mind, the one thing they got right is bipolar one. They didn't get it right the first time. According to them, the first time when I was wheeled into a hospital and they had to inject me with all kinds of tranquilizers because I was a complete animal in a wheelchair where I flipped it over and I jumped on a nurse and, oh God, I mean, you know, I was bipolar too. That was what I left with a diagnosis with bipolar 2. Why? Because I walked in there after I acted like a maniac. I was in a complete depression mode for probably the first seven days. So they immediately said bipolar 2. But why was I depressed? Well, (laughs) wouldn't anybody, after doing three grams of cocaine, trying to hang themselves only to be cut down by a rope from your ex-witch, Drinking two bottles of wine, a bottle of vodka, and 18 beers. I think anybody would be depressed. You know, so, man, you want to talk about thinking in the past and how horrible, how horrible all our lives have been at one point and one time in our lives. And I know it. I know it. It, it. it gives me the chills. It really does. It gives me the chills. It almost makes me want to cry to think about Whoever is behind that podcast, meaning out there, you, my audience, the people that have pressed play or downloaded this particular episode or the many episodes before this, that, my God, what you've been through in your life probably makes Mr. Joe's life look like a God darn, and man, I almost slipped up there. That would have been the first slip up in over 70 episodes, but a God darn health spa. I don't know what else to come up with. A fun little circus. Because I can only imagine what some of you have been through. I, I can't. I can't even imagine. It's, 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 it's painful for me to even think about it. That many of you out there, your story is either just as intense as Mr. Joe's. Not as intense, but certainly something that you'll never forget. Because it doesn't matter how intense it might be it's your experience and your experience alone and your your experiences and your mood swings and the way that you feel even if you're not snorting cocaine or trying to come off suboxone or hanging yourself from a rope in the garage your feelings are your feelings and you will never forget how you feel when you are in a depressed state of mind or when you are manic and you can't control your actions and your words And for those of you who have been through a living hell, even worse than Mr. Joe, my heart goes out to all of you. It really does. Because we have lived lived a pretty crappy life at times. And I I say that with all the sympathy and empathy in the world, we have lived a crappy life. So I ask you this, if anything, once this podcast ends today, 
moving forward, try to make that life as uncrappy as possible. And let's try to be as positive as we can be. Lean on one another. Confide in one another. Move forward and enjoy life to the best that life can offer. Because as cliche as it may sound, you only live once. And I want us to live a healthy, bipolar life. If you are currently living with a mental illness and you're doing well, I ask that you continue to work hard. If you love or you care about somebody with a mental illness, I ask that you continue to support that person in the very best way that you know how. And if you are currently struggling with a mental illness or an addiction, I ask that you keep fighting and keep battling. And most importantly, soldier on. Thank you for listening to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. I will see you again tomorrow. Everybody have a great day.